Alright, well, good afternoon everybody. Uh, this is Dave and Sherry Everett. And this is our third week where we're studying Don't Limit God. Excuse me, by Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack has a ministry based out of uh, Wooden Park, Colorado. And Sherry and I are both graduates from his Bible College, Cares Bible College. Uh, August 16th, 2000, I'm sorry, August 2016 is when we graduated. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to scare you, Sherry. Anyway, we're studying this, uh, Don't Limit God, and we're going through it uh, just uh, uh, chapter by chapter. We're still in chapter 1 if you're in the book, uh, chapter 2 if you're in the study guide if you happen to have this book. And the way we do it here is uh, Shay will narrate for us the uh, section of the, the book, and then we'll talk about it. And we'll, however the Lord leads us, feel free to put your comments, uh, questions, uh, even say hello, where you're from. Uh, both the last two weeks, we've had over 60 people uh, watch our live stream. We have the previous weeks, uh, we have those uh, archived on our website. Our website is, and I'll have Sherry put it in the comments here below, <coughs> excuse me, it's lighthousediscipleship.org. Lighthousediscipleship.org. We have a church here in Ontario, California, and we also have uh, uh, free Bible classes are very uh, free and available to everyone or anyone. Just check out our website, and all you got to do is register. It's free. It's a simple process, so we can connect with you a little bit. And then feel free. And uh, during this time of quarantine, it's a good time to get in the Word of God. <clears throat> so, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into our Bible study again. Again, we're watching. We're reading from Don't Limit God, and uh, so we're going to take the limits off God tonight. Does that sound good? That's okay. great. Okay, so we're uh, at the end of chapter one, if you're in the book, uh, and the, the title of this section is You're the One. Well, amen, we'll find out what that's about. Go ahead and read that, Sherry. <clears throat> All right. Over the past years, Andrew, this is Andrew, I have ministered to a business with about 30 employees in Charlotte, North Carolina. The owner gathers his staff and tells them, the clock is running. I'm paying you to listen to this man for as long as he wants to talk. Then I share the word with him. On one particular occasion, when I came to minister to this businessman's staff, I noticed there was a new girl at the receptionist's desk, a young Asian lady. So I asked her why she wasn't in with the other employees for the meeting. She said since she was the new person, she had to stay and answer the phones. Then she asked me if I was the one who was going to speak. I said yes. She asked what I did and I told her I was a minister. She asked, for whom? I said, well, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Then she explained, exclaimed, you're the one. I said, the one what? She proceeded to tell me that as she was going through her rituals the previous night, she was either Hindu or Buddhist, she st or something, she started doubting that her God was the true God. She stopped in the middle of her ritual and said, God, I know you exist, but there's got to be more to you than this. Would you please reveal yourself to me and let me know who the true God is? As soon as she prayed, a ball of light came right up to her and she heard a voice say, I will send you a man tomorrow who will tell you who I am. Then she looked at me and said, you're the one. I said, I am the one. Amen. I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord, and she was baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. When I got back to my car, I had such a sense of peace and joy from knowing that I was at the right place at the right time. 
There was such satisfaction knowing that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Some of you have never experienced this because you are not where you are supposed to be. You are taking the safe route. You're shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. You've been taught that you have to be logical and do things according to the way everyone else in your family has done it. But you're limiting God. Okay, well thank you Sherry. I don't know if anyone has any comments so far. We're just barely getting started. I know we're picking up mid-chapter, mid-thought. Uh, we're, again, we're reading from Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. And uh, Sherry just read a, a portion of scripture. I mean, uh, a portion from Andrew's book, excuse me. I think I need to wake up this afternoon. Anyway, I just uh, um, uh, about how Andrew's testimony about one situation where he just happened to be in the right place at the right time and was able to minister to someone. And, uh, you know, that's awesome. And I believe, I believe in those what I call divine appointments. And I believe that it's, it's good for us to be open-minded for God to put us in the right place at the right time. I know there's been people uh, God has put in my life at certain parts along the journey at the right place at the wrong time. And and I know I'm trying to re think about some of the things we talked about the last two weeks in this study, but uh, part, of, part of that, you know, it's just uh, we need a relationship. It all goes back to a relationship with God. You know, Jesus didn't do anything he didn't see the Father do. And if we will just start our day, start our lives, even during this quarantine time, if we would just uh, start our days having a relationship with God, and, uh, you know, uh, we can, I mean, some of these divine appointments shouldn't catch us by surprise. Sometimes they will, and that's okay. Um, it, did, it caught Andrew by surprise in a sense, but he just took it, you know. And uh, uh, sometimes we, we get so busy doing it on our day, like a Martha, that we need to sometimes stop and listen to the music. And uh, sometimes some of the interruptions we have during the day are actually divine appointments. Uh, some of those interruptions, and even now, even while we're in quarantine, when there are things that we can do, we can pick up the phone, we can, you know, go do the old-fashioned way, we can write people a letter, send people a card, uh, you know, we can uh, pick up supplies for people who can't do it. There's all kinds of ways that we can uh, just be something to someone. You know, we can reach out to our neighbors. Well, we can uh, do things. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can uh, uh, just be at the right place at the right time. You know, and sometimes we get, we're such in a rush, at least here in the West. I know there's been different people listening from different parts of the world and even different parts of the country. Uh, sometimes, but I know here in California, sometimes we can get in such a rush and we're so focused on uh, what we got to do that we sometimes bypass all the people that we are walking by. And, uh, uh, and sometimes even our families and our friends and sometimes the people in our own household. Uh, sometimes we get so busy, or maybe right now some of you are experiencing cabin fever, or being uh, locked in, and there's are times where we can minister to our families, you know, have a Bible study, uh, minister to one another. Um, there's a, take advantage of this opportunity, things that you can't normally do because you're so busy. Well, time, time, I, I know that this stuff is not from God, and I don't agree with a lot of this stuff, and, uh, at the same point in time, we can take advantage of this time, even time we're in right now. And uh, But when we get back to normal, when we get back to work, let's make sure that we are just having open-minded for God to put us in the right place at the right time, even in our workplace. I mean, you might work in a place where you don't even know there's another Christian. I've worked in many places. Every, every other word with a cuss word and all kinds of stuff, you know. Uh, but that's where light shines brighter. Light shines bright in dark places, you know. Uh, 
I mean, I used to I, w I used to work at In and Out, and uh, I worked there for ten years. And I didn't work with one Christian that I recall in the ten ten years I worked there. Uh, but I remember one time the owner, uh, one of the owners, uh, got killed in a plane crash, and my boss was crying, and he pulled me aside into uh, one of the, the the one of the closets actually, and he just cried. He just wanted me to pray for him. He was hurting that the owner, his owner, died. And uh, he actually had an emergency uh, uh, store meeting, and he had me lead, lead the store meeting in prayer and, uh, and just say a few words. And it wasn't a time to preach a message, but it was time to show the love of God. You know, I felt like in that moment I was at the right place at the right time. You know, uh, I was just a teenager. I was, just, I was still in high school when all that happened. But here I am as a high schooler, able to minister to my store at In-N-Out Burgers, you know, and so I know, we know as a Christian organization here in California, well, not, and, the, and the owner, the, the current owner is a Christian, but that doesn't mean all the staff people are Christians, but I've worked at other jobs that are not Christians, but anyway, I'm getting on some, some uh, rabbit trails here. Do you have any thoughts, Sherry, on what we read or anything? Um, actually, a couple. Um, one thing that we actually were, have been talking about through the week, which I'll, I'll share in a minute. It's, a, it's actually a charge for all of us. Um, but the second thing is an example um, that Dave's done. You know, he's blessed to work from home anyway as a full-time pastor. And um, he's, he's very good at getting things done and, you know, good work habits. But he always starts his day. He opens up his to-do list. And says, okay, Lord, what do you want us to focus on today? But first of all, who do you want me to bless today? And he, he will pray before he starts, gets things done, um, but he will constantly have that mindset <coughs> of prayer in the back of his mind. You know, who, who needs us to reach out to? Who needs prayer? Who needs encouragement? And uh, sometimes... You know, his day will get interrupted because someone will reach out and say, Hey, I, 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 need, I need prayer. I, I need help. And he's already had, has the, the heart, the, you know, the mindset, the heart set of being flexible and available to be able to do that. And I know this is an interesting time, but I encourage you, I charge you for the first charge is to pray each day. Lord, how can I be a blessing? Who can I bless today? Um, and, the, and the second charge, which I'm sure Dave will talk throughout the Bible study on um, today and, and in, in the future, but we've been talking about having a holy dissatisfaction. And we have heard testimony and testimony and testimonies of people, uh, for example, with health issues, and they see God's word and say, your word says this, but I'm still dealing with this. And everything within them rises up and they're so dissatisfied with what they're seeing in the natural that they have this holy dissatisfaction and say, no, I'm standing on God's word. I'm doing what God's word says. And their testimony is they're healed. Um, they, they might have a, a journey of this process, but they're healed. And you know, when Dave was working at a job and he knew the goal was full-time ministry, he could have been complaining and whining in his job, but he wasn't. He, his mindset, which we talked about last week, 
was this is a stepping stone job to where God wants me to be, so I'm going to be a blessing where I am now because this is going to be the next step onto what God has for me. And I encourage you, whatever you're satisfied in, not satisfied in life with, take it to God. Take that, that care, that burden to God and say, Lord, I want what you want for me and have that holy dissatisfaction to seek God first. You know, we, Dave spoke this morning on, on Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added into you. So my second charge for you is seek, God's first, seek God first and see what he has for your life, which is always good. Thank you for bringing that up. So just a reminder, those of you who are watching, maybe you just jumped on or caught us on Facebook Live. Uh, we're looking at Andrew's book, Don't Limit God. We're going through that study right now. We're just getting started here in our third week. We've archived the last two weeks on our website. It's uh, listed below uh, in the comments at lighthousediscipleship.org. And uh, I had a thought there. I lost it. Hopefully I'll come back. But uh, anyway, um, you know, Sherry was talking about this holy dissatisfaction. And, and I got that idea actually this week. Last week we were reading uh, during our Bible study. Oh yeah, this is what I was going to say. If you have any comments, uh, feel free to, to comment below. Say hello. Tell us where you're from. Ask a question. And uh, have a prayer request. Uh, reach out. Uh, connect with us. But last week while we were reading, we, uh, we were reading from Andrew's book. And uh, Andrew was talking about Oral Roberts in his early day. And I'm just going to read a paragraph from last week. And he says, uh, and this is Andrew speaking. I remember Oral Roberts talking about <clears throat> the very first meeting he held. He was... He was so sick and tired of seeing the powerlessness and the lack of healing in the body of Christ. He determined, I'm not going to live this way. Either the word is true and God does miracles a day, or I'm going to quit serving God and, and quit playing the pastor game. He had to fight through unbelief and struggles, but when he began seeing miracles happen, he caught on fire and, and others on fire too. You know, when we read that last week, I had someone come up to me after uh, our live stream last week, and they were just really charged by that uh, paragraph, because they too have been experiencing what we are calling a holy dissatisfaction. Actually, I got that term actually from Andrew, the author of this book, and he's had, he had a few other articles that are, are online, and I read some of those from Andrew, but I... But I related to not only what, our, what Andrew's saying here regarding Oral Roberts, and not only related to this other person who reached out, because this person was dissatisfied with not the seeing the lack of healing and in their own lives. Uh, this person had someone in the hospital and whatnot, and and uh, I remember I I even had a blog this week and I put on Facebook. It's on our website uh, about just this holy dissatisfaction. I shared some things from my my teenage years how. Uh, there was just a t holy dissatisfaction in my heart. And what I mean by that, you know, what I mean by holy dissatisfaction, you know, I'm not satisfied when people are sick. I'm not satisfied that people are struggling. Uh, there's, there's something that rises up in me that wants to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. 
there's something that right, I you know, one of my dissatisfactions as a teenager is that I don't have my Bible. I use my iPad as my Bible. You know, I remember reading the Word of God all my life, even as a child, and I saw the God in the Word of God, in the Word. I saw the miracles. I saw the healings. I saw different things. I understand it more now than I did then, but I saw it, and I wasn't seeing it in the church. I wasn't seeing it on a regular basis. And me and the Word of God, it was regular. It was normal. Uh, and uh, there was something dissatisfied about me. And, and, I mean, and about me, but also in my heart, just about, you know, the churches would be alive. Uh, we are Christians. We are believers. We believe. And it's time for the church to rise up. We need a great awakening in the church of who we are in Christ and, and, and who God is and the gospel. And we need to... to be the church we don't you know right now we're in lockdown some people can't go to a physical church building but you know the church and, and I don't necessarily agree with all that but by the same point in time we are the church and it's time for us to be the church and it's time for us to bring the church to people even if it's through a Facebook live or whatever it might be that's not the only way we can do it but there's this is time where we the church can shine and really minister to people including our own home including our own household and so, anyway, uh, I think sometimes, even in moments like this, a quarantine, it maybe it's a divine appointment because you need to spend some quality time with your family, or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying it's always going to be that way, and, and I'm not advocating that it will be that way, but, you know, there's things that we can take advantage of now that we can't, would not normally be able to do if we didn't have this quarantine. So, you know, so, you know, I, um, this, this whole quarantine didn't got, did not catch God by surprise. You know, it's not from him, but it didn't catch him by surprise. And so... We're, we've been uh, texting with a friend who moved out of state, and uh, they were giving praise to the, to the Lord because during this lockdown time, um, they're using... I don't know where we got that, that phrase, but during that time, they've been using the time to, to spend with God. And they're not Amen. the only person that we have talked to who are like you know what my life was was so busy and I had it on my heart to, to seek God and and to just be in his word and I was frustrated that I just was trying to, to I was struggling to fit it in and now they're like great hallelujah I, I can um, spend that quality time with God and I'm getting so much out of it and um, our, our friend today said, you know what, even in this bad time, I am believing God's bringing good out of this. And I personally think one of those good things is people being able to sit back and take that quality time with the Lord. And we're going to just be just uh, blown out of the water, so to speak, with just people coming back to the Lord and realizing how faithful He is. Well, thank you, Sherry. I agree with that. Um, let's go ahead and read some more. Uh, this is actually a little big chunk of section to read, but go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and read us through this. Uh, the, section, the title of this section is Comparing Yourselves Among Yourselves. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 2 Corinthians 10.12 Most people limit God by comparing themselves with others, 
it is so clear in Scripture that we should not measure ourselves by other people. Instead of letting the Word of God control and dominate our thoughts, we look at our parents, our grandparents, the television. We listen to people's experiences about all the bad things that have happened to them. Then we start expecting these things to happen to us and limit God by comparing ourselves among ourselves. One area in which we do this is finances. We look around and see that there's a recession, so we expect this to happen to us. In Colorado Springs, there are hundreds of parachurch ministries, and when the recession occurred in uh, 2008, many of these ministries decreased their revenue projections by 15 to 25% before a single decrease in revenue ever happened. They anticipated it because the world was having problems and they began planning for it and expecting it to happen to them. And guess what? It came to pass. During that exact time, our finances flourished. We began a $60 million building program in the fall of 2009, a program we were going to complete debt-free. And our ministry finances were going up like a rocket during the recession. We just decided not to participate in the recession, so we didn't anticipate it and plan for it. As a result, we never experienced it in our ministry. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 Finances don't have to be dictated by the world. They can be dictated by heaven's economy, not this world system. Several years ago, Jamie's father left her an inheritance which we invested in the stock market. When the stock market went down at the end of 2008 and the beginning of 2009 by 50%, we increased our investment by 61%. That's a 61% increase during a 50% downturn. God blessed us. Our investor couldn't even understand why we were prospering so much. Some are too carnal to believe that's true, thinking there's a natural reason. No, it's the blessing of God. Our investor told us that his other clients didn't prosper as much as we did. It's because we were believing God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7, and we were bucking the trend. Some look to the economy and start cutting back, not expecting to prosper. This limits what God can do. Some of you cut back on your giving during those times because you anticipate having a problem. But you should cut back on your debt and your spending, not your giving. The worst thing you can do to limit your harvest is cut back on your sowing. If anything, you need to increase your giving. But most people don't think this way, so they limit God. Before the Lord spoke to me in 2002, I thought I was truly believing Him. Compared to where I had been and compared to others, I thought I was doing good. And I was doing good compared to other people. But it's not wise to compare yourself with others. It doesn't matter if everyone in your family has always been a loser. That doesn't dictate what will happen to you unless you believe it's in your genes to be a loser. Just because everyone else is suffering in the economy doesn't mean you have to suffer unless you believe you have to suffer. Comparing yourselves among yourselves and measuring yourselves by the world is the wrong measurement. If you listen to the news for just a few minutes, you will hear a lot of junk. There's so much negativity on the news. For instance, 
They will talk about flu season and everybody getting their flu shots. Most people think, I'm only human. I'll get the flu if I don't get those shots. If you listen to everyone and think you are going to get the flu, you will. But there's no season when the word of God doesn't work. Amen. Not even the flu season. You need to stand on scriptures like Psalm 91 and declare that no plague will come near your dwelling. I'm determined to stand on the word of God and walk in supernatural health. Most of us listen to the sewage of this world and hear what the world is experiencing, so we expect to get sick. We let what happens in the world affect us. We may say, oh, I'm only human, but if we're born again, we're not only human. One third of us is wall to wall Holy Ghost. One third of us is saved. We'll talk about the spirit. We should not get the same stuff the world gets. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves with those who don't have God living on the inside of them. That's ignorance. The politically correct way to say this is that it's our lack of knowledge that's the problem. In Texas, we would say, you're stupid. How dumb can you get and still breathe? My dad died when he was 54. He was a functional invalid my entire life. He could never throw a ball or do anything active with me. When I was 12 years old, he died from heart problems. People said that I was going to have heart problems, hardening of the arteries, high blood pressure, and all kinds of other problems when I get, got older, since those things are hereditary. But one of the first things I did when I got turned on to the Lord was to cancel that curse. I broke it. It didn't matter what happened to my dad. It wasn't going to happen to me. My mother, on the other hand, lived to be 96 and was as strong as a horse until her final years. Why didn't people tell me that the good genes of my mother would help me instead of only focusing on the bad genes of my dad and pronouncing the worst possible outcome over me? It's because people tend to look at the worst case scenario. Most people will say, well, my dad had heart problems, so I guess I'll have heart problems. They just accept these things as fact. They need to stop comparing themselves with their parents and other people. This thinking limits the healing God wants to do in, our, in their bodies. Most people do not let the word of God get in the way of what they believe. They think that's the way it's always been in their families, so that's the way it's going to be. They need to change the way they believe. Many of them believe like this in so many subtle ways that they don't even recognize it. For instance, a lot of ladies have been taught that for two to six days of the month, they are justified in acting like the devil. God didn't create women to be that way, but they have bought into an ungodly standard. If they believe that's the way it has to be, Satan will accommodate them. Jamie used to have female problems when she was young, but she believed God for healing and overcame all of that. She went through menopause and didn't fall apart like a $2 suitcase or have to take hormone, hormone replacement therapy or anything else. She walked through this season supernaturally. Yet many women believe that menopause has to be miserable and that they have to experience all of its symptoms. But who says so? They have been trained in the natural way, so they accept living at a lower standard believing that they have to get sick, get the flu, or get headaches, or that they can't live without any pain. I don't have any pain in my body, and I'm over 60 years old. I've been sick one time in 40 plus years, and that was due to my own stupidity. 
I administered 41 times in one week and 42 times the next week, and I became so tired I literally had to crawl into bed. I stayed in bed one day to recuperate and then went out the next day to cut a cord of wood. It was too much, too soon, and I got sick. You can chalk that up to stupidity. That's the only time I've been sick. I don't believe in getting sick. I don't take sickness. Some of you think you can't live that way, but don't wake me up because that's the way I'm living. When you expect sickness, you limit God. If you are sick, you don't have to find out everything about your sickness. Don't focus on the sickness. Focus on what God's word says. His word says that all things are possible to them who believe. You should be speaking the word to yourself concerning healing. Put scriptures somewhere that you can see them often and focus on them. But instead of focusing on God's word, a lot of people limit God by being plugged into the world and being concerned about what's going on in everyone else's lives. All right. Thank you, Sherry. I know that was a long stretch. I hope we didn't lose some of you with that, uh, but I hope we got, got that. So again, we're reading Andrew's book, Don't Limit God. Uh, and so we're going through this. We're in our third week of uh, going through this. Feel free to put any comments in the comments below, as well as any prayer requests or anything, or even just saying hi and connecting with us. So a lot, a lot that uh, Sherry read here in this section called comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. You know, and that can go on both sides of the equation. You know, if 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 we're seeing ourselves as negative. And we're comparing ourselves with those who seem like they have positive things going on in their lives. No, that's not necessarily wise. It's not. It's not wise. Same is also true if maybe we're doing good, but we're we're looking down at those who are not doing so well. You know, that's not wise either. You know, uh, I I concur. You know, when I I read this before with Andrew not getting sick in forty something plus years, of course it's been longer than that now since he wrote this book. But I also have been sick since 2009 myself, uh, in the last, uh, were almost 11 years. I did get sick uh, somewhat about a, a few, several months ago. I think it was some food poison. So, okay, maybe I've been sick one time since uh, in 11 years. But I'm just with Andrew. I don't believe in sickness. I don't expect to get sick. I don't, I don't participate in being sick. I'm not going to get sick from this coronavirus. I'm not going to get sick from the flu. I'm not going to get sick from the cold. I not. I don't receive it. And some people think I'm weird. Some people think I'm just being religious, you know. In one sense of the word, they can believe what they want to believe. I'm not participating in being sick. You know, as Sherry was reading, the word that stood out to me was expectation. Some people expect to get sick. Uh, I've heard people say, that's just my yearly cold. You know, like, it, it's okay. I, it's not okay. <clears throat> I'm not condemning anyone for being sick, but that doesn't mean I want to participate. You know, we've had people say, I, I don't want to come over because I got such and such. I don't want to give it to you. I go, you ain't going to give it to me. <laughs> it's not going to get in this body and live. Uh, I'm not going to participate in being sick. I mean, uh, I understand people being trying to be respectful and thoughtful and whatnot, especially in this coronavirus and whatnot, and... I do a lot of things wearing a mask and things to uh, really uh, to benefit those who are not as strong in the faith as I am. I'm not doing that to put them down. I'm not doing that to make fun of them. I try to be respectful. But I don't believe I'm going to get sick. I don't believe I'm going to pass some germ to someone else. 
I understand, understand the, the medical reasons for thinking that, but I'm not going to participate in that. Because why would I believe that? Because by his stripes I was sealed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I realize there's sickness in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm born again, and I'm not participating in sickness. I, I'm not going to limit God. And uh, there was something else uh, that I highlighted before, and I, it stuck out to me again here. Uh, Andrew says, most people do not let the word of God to get in the way of what they believe. And that's so true. Most people don't let the word of God to get in the way of what they believe. Tradition, or the traditions of man. You know the word of God says, <coughs> by your traditions you can make the word of God of no effect. You know, I'm not, I'm not against traditions in and of themselves. There's some traditions I think are fun, and I think they're kind of cool. Um, but i got to make sure some traditions don't get in the way of what I believe. I need to determine what I believe based on the Word of God. And I don't want to compare myself among myself, but I do want to compare myself against the Word of God. If what I'm believing or what I'm experiencing <coughs> is not what the Word of God says I should live and how what I should experience, then I, I need to change the way I'm thinking. I need to change the way I'm believing. I need to change my expectation. You know, the definition for hope is a positive expectation of good. And we need to get some hope. We need to, to have the positive expectation of good, not the, the negative expectation of bad. A lot of people have, you know, I was teaching on this this morning, some of us have more faith in believing we're going to get sick, and more faith in believing uh, they're, they're, they're going to go through all these problems than they do in the Word of God. I want to feed my faith and starve my fears. I don't want to feed my fears and starve my faith. I want to believe God. And, uh, and how do I believe God? I need to be, have a relationship with God. I need to be in the Word of God. And I need to stop comparing myself with other people uh, and our, or the norm. I'm not interested in being normal. <laughs> My wife has told me many times, you're weird. I go, well, I, that's actually a compliment to me. You know? I mean, I don't want to be weird for weird's sake, uh, even though there's times I want to be silly. Uh, but at the same point in time, I'm not looking to be normal. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to define normal. Uh, mm -hmm. But just, uh, I want to be, to me, the Word of God is what's normal. Uh, what's true. Uh, the way God designed me to be. The way God created me to be. The, God, the way that God redeemed me to be. That's normal. The supernatural is normal. This flesh is not abnormal. Uh, we're born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. And there is no sickness. There is no lack. There is no imperfection in the seed of Christ, of which I am born again. And same as you. Uh, just uh, <coughs> to say again, uh, for anyone listening, um, please reach out with your comments or questions or prayer requests. Um, if there's something that that you're hearing and want clarification on, um, I put down the um, our website in the in the comment section uh, of this live stream. Uh, please feel free. Anything that you know you're hearing and you're like, I I, I want that or I I'm not I, I need more clarification on. Please reach out and know our hearts. I was there. Um, I used to be. Oh. I'm expecting my yearly cold. You know, it's always, I'm always going to get this every year. 
Um, this is, you know, we, we passed the 40 mark. It's, you know, our bodies are going to be slowing down or whatever. And you know what? When when I got the revelation in God's word that no, um, it's 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 not to be that way. Um, we we started changing um, by getting in God's word and believing what He says versus what the world says. It transformed our life, and that's what we want for you guys. We want you guys to be so transformed by the word of God that you live out that abundant life that. Jesus came for. Jesus came that we would have life and life more abundant. He didn't come for us to fall apart and struggle. And so we want you guys to live in your full godly potential and, and just walk in that blessing. And so please, you know, reach reach out if, if you have a question or want to, you know, hey, I want, I want to get there. Um, <coughs> we just, uh, amazing, I mean, God it just has an amazing life for you. And so we, we want that for you. Desperately we want that for you. We want you to, to live that out. And um, there was something, and I, I, I didn't look it up because I, I just felt like I had to share that bit with you guys. Um, but there's times when Andrew or, or Dave or another minister will talk about walking carnally or walking in the flesh versus in the spirit. And just to clarify, and, and Dave, please correct me to make sure I'm explaining it, that when we say walking carnally or walking in the, the flesh, we're not specifically talking about the sin nature. And what we're really talking about is in the natural. In the natural, we use our senses. We use our sight. We use our hearing. We use our touch. You know, all of our senses, and that's in the natural in the spiritual, when we're talking about living and walking out in the spirit, we're talking about living out God's word, living out what God put in our spirit, that born again spirit, that, that perfect seed that, that uh, Dave was talking about. Um, do you want to add, maybe clarify? Uh, just, uh, you know, when you say it's not our sin nature, it's our natural nature, which, and again, our natural nature would be our sin nature, but at the same point in time, um, you know, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of God is sin. You know, whatever. We're born again. Not a, We're born again. You know, the old man's dead. Um, and so with that in mind. Uh, but the word carnal means to me natural. It's natural. Uh, I think what Sherry is saying, though, it, it, she's not saying we're walking in sin. It doesn't always mean when we're walking, someone who's walking carnally, it doesn't always mean they're, they're in some sin or some addiction or some hang up. Anything that's not of faith is sin. But at the same point in time, I understand what Sherry's saying. Uh, you know, uh, some people are not. Uh, some people, even though they're walking carnally, walking naturally, they not, might not be in some big uh, uh, immorality, sin, addiction, gossip, whatnot. But they're still walking. They're depending on the flesh. They're still walking. The Bible does say this: to be carnally or naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we, you know, we need to make that transition that we're born again. And we're supernatural. We're not. We're not natural. Uh, we are. Uh, we are born again. We're children of God. We have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And so uh, that's who we are. And so uh, I know there's more I can piggyback on that. Also, as you were talking, I was reminded too. You know, in this section, Andrew dealt with finances, and I know finances can be a touchy subject for some people. 
you know, we've lost more people in this church uh, uh, before we even talked about finances. We just said we were going to talk about finances, and before we even got a chance to say anything, they left. And so we, so I know this is a sore subject for some people, but Jesus talked more about finances than he did talk about faith. And so finances are part of our system. And I know with this coronavirus and this lockdown and the economy and all that, there's a fear. And there's a, there's a fear in, in the world and among the church that, uh, you know, we're going back into a, a recession or a depression uh, because of the economy and different things. And I'm going to agree with what Andrew said in this, this section. I am not going to participate in some recession or, or lack because I'm not part of the world's economy. I'm part of God's economy. And I'm going to trust Him. And I'm going to trust Him. And, and I'm going to be faithful what He tells me to do. And, uh, and this is, a, you know, we, we don't push finances in the church in the sense that we're trying, we're not, we don't do this for money. We're not doing this for that. You, yes, you can give to our, our ministry. Uh, we are 51C3. We have a church, whatnot. But that's not what we're doing this for. We're doing this to reach out to people. But, but let, let, me, let me just say this since we're on the topic. Don't limit God in your finances. Don't limit God in your tithing. Don't limit God in your giving. Don't limit God in your almsgiving. Don't limit God in, in blessing one another. We are blessed to be a blessing in season and out of season. Um, don't, uh, we, we, we work with our hands so we can give to those in need. And some say, well, I'm not working with my hands right now. You know, uh, God's your source. Don't limit God. God. I believe God can give you enough for you, your family, and for those you, that you would have a divine appointment for, which we're talking about tonight. <coughs> Maybe you can help pay someone's rent. Maybe you can help pay someone's car payment or, or put food on their table. This is the you know, uh, and you're like, how can I do that? I you don't you don't I'm not getting any money. I'm on furlough. Stop looking at your pocketbook. Stop looking at your <coughs> natural resources. Start looking to God. Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes, but he didn't even have a lunch himself. The boy did. And the disciples didn't even have food. The boy did. None of the twelve, including Jesus, had any food. They went on this journey and no one, no one thought to pack a lunch. The boy did. You know? Some, some, some children can make, make us feel uh, unwise, you know? But we need to, we, uh, you know, uh, we are not limited by our natural resources. God, I believe that God can bless you and your household even during this time of finan financial struggle so that you can have enough to feed your family and feed your entire block and feed and more people. You know, we, we, I shared this before with some people. I don't know if I did it on this live stream, but when we were in Costa Rica back in 2016, I think it was, and we went to this one, what I consider a poor neighborhood, and there was this one gentleman, he had this... Big, huge pot. I mean, it was huge. I never seen a pot this big, and he had a passion—a passion to to feed his neighborhood. But he was poor himself, and sometimes he would just fill that pot with water, and he would pray as he stirred that pot. And as he stirred that pot, he said potatoes and carrots and other vegetables began just to be, uh, just show up. God would create vegetables in his soup, and he was able to feed the neighborhood. Don't limit God, folks. Not only regarding healing, but regarding finances. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We, we will be the lender of many and the borrower of none. 
We are not going to participate in some furlough, I mean, in some uh, uh, economic. We are part of God's economy. We are the children of God. And, uh, you know, if we need to cast our net on the other side, so be it. You know, we are the children of God. We are the people of God. Don't put your focus on the government. Don't put your focus on man. Don't put your focus on yourself. Put your focus on God. I love this verse. And it, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Your, rich, your, your economy, if you are a child of God, is in Christ Jesus. That's huge. I mean, I could speak all night just about that phrase right there. Uh, but my God shall supply. Not will supply, could supply, may supply. No, my God shall supply all your need. I just spoke about it this morning from Matthew 6, chapter 6. We have a good, good Father. And our good, good Father says, Don't, think, don't worry, but don't even give any thought. Don't even consider saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? And uh, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But first seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, <coughs> and all these things will be added unto you. The kingdom, Paul said in Romans 10, 17, that the kingdom of God is of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I think I got those backwards, but righteous peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have peace and joy, even through this time of calamity, your focus is on the calamity and not on God. I don't say that to condemn you. I don't say that to hurt you. I don't say that to hurt you. To, to, I, I say that to challenge you in a godly way. Get your focus off the storm. Get your focus off the panic. The, 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 the virus and, and the economic situation and get your focus on God. I'm not saying we don't need to do them things. I'm not saying we don't need to speak up at times. Uh, but I'm saying that we need to trust God. We need to, we, we don't need to limit God. We are not limited by uh, the, this world. We're not limited. We're not, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're not here to cause a, 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 a riot. We are not here to, to cause uh, any struggle. We're here to minister. You know, my job as a pastor, I'm one of many. I'm not, I'm not more special than you. We are all able ministers of the new covenant, it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. And my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Even during this quarantine, we can all edify one another. We can get on the phone, we can write a card, we can, we can do things, and we might be limited with some resources, but, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Going back to Sherry's word that she's talking about. They're, they're, they're spiritual for the pouring down the strongholds. But we have to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ, not to my obedience, to His obedience. And if we walk in the Spirit, Sherry was tagging on that, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key is not trying to control the flesh. You can't control the flesh by the flesh. You can only control the flesh by walking in the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, in the same context, I'm talking from Galatians 5, 16 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, temperance. 
You know, kindness. This is a, it's them seasons like this when we can be kind and good to one another. Spirit, you know, I know we can't congregate and assemble the way we want to, but we can still spur one another on to good deeds. We can still edify and build one another up. We're not limited by the, the, the church is a spiritual being. The church is the body of Christ. Yes, I agree we, we shouldn't forsake the assembly of ourselves. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. But at the same point in time, I'm not limited by that. I'm limit, I'm not, I'm not, the Spirit of God's in me and I can pray for people. I can minister to people. And there's innovative, there's creative ways that I can minister to one another. And all that is, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And I hope as pastors in the churches, we have prepared people for this season. We know the end times are coming. Peter talked about it. <coughs> Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. James talks about it. We know the end times are coming. God has prepared us for this generation and this hour to, tr to trust Him, to have a fear of God, and trusting Him more than... Uh, I mean, I'm getting fired up right now, but it's just, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not trusting all this other stuff. I'm trusting God. And I want a fear of God, not a fear of man. I don't have a fear of a coronavirus. I don't have a fear of the world, the economy crashing. I have a fear for God. I have a reverence for God. I have a trust and an honor and respect for God. You know, it says in, in Acts chapter 9 that the church of God, as they fear the Lord, they multiplied. I posted something yesterday on Facebook. We need a, a great awakening of the fear of God. The fear of God is the, is, is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not talking about being afraid of God. I'm talking about an irreverence, a respect, a, a trust, a reliance on God. I trust God. I don't trust my government. I will pray for my government. And there's certain, certain, certain government leaders I love and I appreciate. Some, not so much. But it's my job. If I'm going to criticize them, I better be spending as much time praying for them than I'm criticizing them. Because if I'm not praying for them and they're doing a bad job, I'm just as guilty. If they're doing a bad job doing, doing, and I'm not praying for them, in, in, one, in one sense of the word, I feel like I'm just as guilty. I need to be praying for them. Daniel prayed for the kings that he served. Joseph prayed and ministered to Pharaoh. I'm sure these were wicked, ungodly people. But Daniel... And, uh, and, and uh, uh, Joseph respected the authority. They didn't always comply. They respected the authority. And God used them in their generation. God used them. God used Daniel. God used Joseph to save nations because of the favor of God and the fear of God that was on his life. Daniel, God used Daniel many ways. He actually gave prophecies for this day. This, this day that we live in, Daniel gave prophecies because he was a man that feared God. He was a man that trusted God. And, and, and even when he was thrown in the lion's den, he did not fear. <coughs> it's amazing. Once they threw in the man of God down to the lion's den, the lions lost their appetite. Until morning. <laughs> Until morning. And, and uh, his accusers were, were, were put down in there. You know, God, you know, we have a mighty God, church. We have a mighty God. We are the body of Christ. 
and he has put all things underneath our feet. I wasn't going to go here. I went here last week, but go with me if you have your Bibles to the Ephesians chapter 1. I was waiting for myself to get fired up, and I got fired up. <laughs> so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to facilitate a Bible study, not so much uh, uh, preach, but uh, I know we have some comments here, so I don't know if there's anything uh, we need to share in just a moment. Uh, no questions, but some good stuff. I encourage you to um, read the comments when you can. There's a good testimony. Um, one of um, someone that Dave grew up with, if I'm getting the name right, um, they're using the time to memorize scripture. Amen. So, hey, praise God. Thank you for that testimony. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things we can do during this time that we, we had all the excuses in the world. Because we didn't have enough time. Well, now, right now, you know, all, most of those excuses have been taken away. So, now's our time to get in the Word of God. There, Praise God. Let, let's let get in the Word of God. Let's get ready. You know? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're under quarantine, but we can spend time in the Word. We can memorize Scripture. We can get His Word hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. And we, we need to hide His Word in our heart. But, uh, I'm in Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul's praying a prayer here. I'm going to begin with verse 17. And he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know with the hope of His calling what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Let me just pause right there. God has an inheritance in you. <clears throat> Let me say that another way. God has invested in you. God has invested himself in you. And Paul's prayer is that, your, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And just like this comment, I'm spending this time memorizing scripture, scripture. That is one way of many ways, but <clears throat> that is a very profound way of getting the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word of God is wisdom. The word of God is revelation. And I pray that not only we memorize in Scripture, praise God for that, but we are also getting a revelation of what that Scripture means so that we can apply that Scripture. So when the time comes and we need it, that we can study to show ourselves approved so that we can build our house on a rock and when the storms come, we're ready. In season and out of season. But he goes on in verse 19. He goes, And what is the exceeding greatness <coughs> Excuse me of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in, at his right hand in heavenly places. Last week we just celebrated Easter. We celebrate Easter every, every day in this church. But at the same point in time, Paul wants us to get a revelation of the exceeding greatness of the power, the same power to raise Christ from the dead lives in you. Church, there is no reason why we should limit God because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. You cannot get more powerful than that. Right. It's the same power which you worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Twice, I think it's here in Ephesians, but also in a. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 or 21 where Jesus where it talks about we sit with him on his throne. We are sitting with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
And so, so we are, we have a great inheritance in Jesus Christ. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this, this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I felt like I read that a little fast, but I, 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 I'm, I want to convey what's burning in my heart right now. It's just that the same, not only do we have the same power to raise Christ from the dead, and Paul is praying that we get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that our hearts would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our God. We have a calling, church. Not just me as a pastor, but we are all able ministers of the new covenant. We have a calling, a high calling of God, because God has put the same power that raised Christ from death, that is far above all principality and power in every dominion against any virus like coronavirus, any power, any government, any governor, any nation, any demonic, any anything demonic and evil. God has put all things underneath his feet, us, the church of Jesus Christ. We have power. We are power. And we are not poor as a church mouse, as some people think. We are not powerless. We are powerful. <coughs> we are the head and up. We are the light of the world, Jesus said in Matthew. We are the salt of the earth. You know, the church has been prepared for times like this. God has put all things underneath his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He, we have the fullness of him. It says in John 1.16, of his fullness we have received in grace for grace. It says in Ephesians 3.19, <coughs> same letter. And Paul prays another prayer. He prays that we would know the full, God's love, his love that surpasses knowledge. That we might be filled with the fullness of God. Because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. According to, according to his power that is at work. It's not dormant. It's not dead. No, we just celebrated last week that he's alive. Jesus is alive. He's in you. The same power that raised him from the dead is in you. And if we're not seeing people healed and raised from the dead and healed and sick... We are, we are, we, there should be a holy dissatisfaction in our hearts, just like Oral Roberts. It says, it's time to see the church come alive. It's time to see us doing the same works that Jesus did. Because the Spirit of God is in us, and His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm making sense today. Uh, I just get fired up. Uh, when I get, when I get, you know, when we, our eyes are enlightened and we know the hope of his calling. We know who we are. We know who he is. There should be peace and there should be a radiant joy flowing from the people of God. Um, you know, it says in I, uh, Psalm 89, blessed are those who know the joyful sound. The joyful sound is talking about jubilee. Jesus is our jubilee. And there should be a joyful sound radiating from the people of God. Even in times like this. We have an awesome God. We have a mighty God. And we are not limited because we are quarantined. We are not limited by some virus. 
I'm not, I'm not getting the virus. I'm not going to struggle financially because I'm part of God's economy. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let God be true and every man a liar. And, uh, and all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. We have a part to play. We have a part to believe God. All of them are, they're already yes. They are already amen. <coughs> amen is a, is a simple term of saying so be it. All the promises God has said so be it. They're already yes in him, in Christ. They're already yes to the glory of God. By us. God is not glorified when we are not seeing his promises manifested in and through our lives. God is glorified when we lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. God is glorified when we minister and admonish one another, when we edify one another, when we when we minister. You know, the early church, they were going through stuff. They were going through persecution. <coughs> they were they were told not to preach in Jesus' name. They were flogged. And thrown in prison. Some were martyred for preaching in Jesus' name. But they didn't, they didn't back down. They didn't revolt either. They didn't cause a riot. But they also didn't stop preaching. They prayed for more boldness. They prayed for more boldness. And I'm praying during this time of quarantine for more boldness. For a, a, for a innovative wisdom of how to preach the gospel despite the quarantine. I'm not limited by the rules of man. Paul, <coughs> I mean the letters that we read, he wrote from prison. Paul was not limited. He preached the gospel even from a jail cell. He was in jail 13 times, and yet he preached the gospel. He was stoned. He was flogged. He was done all kinds. He didn't stop. He didn't curse the government. He just kept preaching. He just kept preaching. I mean, it was... I think it was Corinth. They, 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 they thought he was dead. They put him outside the city. He just got back up and walked back in. And started preaching again. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. You know, he just couldn't kill this guy. I mean, they tried to boil John. They couldn't kill John. So they put him on some island. Thought they could shut him up that way. And he wrote the, the book of Revelation. And, I mean, you just couldn't, they couldn't kill this guy. You know, they tried to arrest Peter. And the angel came and rescued him in the middle of the night. Church, we have an awesome God. Don't limit God. And if he can do these things, how much more can he not? Our Heavenly Father knows the things that you need. He knows you need water. He knows you need toilet paper. <laughs> he knows you need some things. He knows the things that you need. He knows. He knows you're unfurled. You have a good, good father. Good, good father. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that, that whole concept is just beaming in my heart. Church, let's be, come, sometimes we just need to come back to the basics. Come back to the real deal. And let the main thing be the main thing. We have Jesus Christ. And we're not just because we're saved. It's just us four no more in this quarantine. No, we, the church, we're not limited by the four walls of our home. We can still reach people. We can still minister to people. But we can also minister to the people in our home. And we have technology that the early church didn't have. We have ways to reach people. 
I, I mean, just from this live stream, I'm reaching people all over the world. The last two weeks, we've done live stream on, on the same uh, last, the last two Sunday nights, and we've reached people in all five continents, just from our living room. I'm reaching people from all, all, both of us together, and it's not costing me a dime. I don't have to get an airplane. I don't have to rent a hotel. I don't have to get a, a conference hall. I'm reaching the world just from this room, and I don't know how many people I'm reaching, but you know, last two weeks we reached 60 people each time. I'm not trying to. I'm. I'm not expecting to reach everybody, but I'm. I'm expecting to reach those, the divine appointments I will have by those who, who see, this couple sitting on the couch in their living room preaching the gospel, and uh, praise God. Hopefully you've been encouraged, and then if you're encouraged, you're going to minister to people because you've been encouraged. Praise God. That's how the church works. And so anyway, Sherry. <laughs> I don't know how I can follow that. Um, but uh, I got a couple of things when we were previously talking about finances and trusting God, um, a verse that has ministered to me and I want to share it with you is in second Corinthians nine. Of course, read all of it. It's all awesome. But second Corinthians nine, uh, verse eight, and God is able to make all grace Amen. abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So I just, it goes with that verse that, that Dave read about God will supply all your needs. God wouldn't say all if he didn't mean it. Um, but I also want to, to pray with a pastor from Indi India, it looks like, who asks for prayer uh, for his church and uh, orphanage and for those pastors and ministers in the remote areas um, who are filling all of you know the lockdown and, and, and lack of supplies and I know we have you know those in the United States as well um, we have a ministry in motion ministry based in Colorado that we love um, and respect and you know we want to pray for them and, and any minister um, in this time uh, for the for the you know the reaching of their their people their circle of, of influence influence um, so anyways uh, Lord Sorry. we thank you for uh, Pastor Cornelius and the different ministers throughout the world who have uh, that fire in their soul like like Dave who have that burden to to reach. Uh, people and uh, we thank you Lord for the innovative ways like Dave said that they can in this time of lockdown still get the, the gospel out um, we pray for those in the hospitals who can't have visitors or people come in to minister to them um, hospitals loose term anywhere that there's lockdown where there's people who can't uh, be ministered to that the word of God would just bubble up inside of them for those who are born again the word is in them and that we pray that it would come out that they would be reminded um, either in dreams or just out of that living water that's that's in them to come on out uh, for the staff man for all the healthcare workers the the doctors the nurses those in the front lines uh, our our police first responders Thank you, Lord, for giving them strength and supplying all of their need as they are in the front lines. 
But we do agree with Cornelius right now, Lord. I just thank you for supernaturally providing provision for them. Financial provision as well as food and everything they need. Thank you for protection. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for divine intervention where it's needed. You know, I just thank you for meeting all their needs so they can continue doing what you called them to do. It may, may, perhaps it doesn't look like it has looked like in the past. But thank you that despite the times, despite the lockdowns, despite no church services and different things, that Lord, you can still give Cornelius and the people wisdom and ways to reach and minister to their people. You know, we just thank you for provision. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we're not limited by the natural things. And Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord, for doing a miracle if I need a miracle is needed. We thank you that you are our God. You are our God. And you are not limited by space. You are not limited by time. You are not limited by natural resources. You are our God. And we will trust you. We will trust you. And, uh, you know, we were watching a VeggieTales. I haven't watched VeggieTales a lot of times. It was Josh and the Big Wall. And uh, there's that song that they sing, The Lord has given this land to us. He knows what he's doing. You know, there are certain things that God has given to us because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did for us. And God has given us this land. By his stripes, we are healed. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I was, I mean, just even last night in my sleep, I was singing that song, that VeggieTales song, The Lord Has Given This Land to Us. And you can you can change the words to that, apply it to your need. As long as it's in the Word of God, that God has given you a promised land in Jesus Christ. Whatever your need is. God, you know, there's so many miracles in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. And... I mean, I mean, just even Josh and the big wall. They were supposed to take over Jericho. And God's strategy was just walking around the wall seven for seven days and seven times on the seventh day and then giving a shout. Most militaries will not have that in their strategy book. God does not, is not limited. The key is that you're trusting him. The key is that you're relying on him. The key is that you're asking him. Praise God that we can pray for one another. And I encourage that. If you have a prayer request, please let us know so we can pray with you. But at the same point in time, we're not the answer. God is. And God is not limited by this lockdown. God's not limited by our government or your government. God's not limited by natural resources. If you have to simply walk around the wall, if you have to simply get all the jars from your neighbors to, to fill the oil you have in your cupboard, to, pay it, to go sell it and pay off your debts. Whatever it might be, God is not limited. He can take the little food that you have in your hand and multiply it. If God can feed the Israelites for 40 years, manna and quail, and their clothes do not wear out, God can preserve you during this quarantine. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get your focus off, off the problem and get your focus off God, on God. Your, your problem may be very severe. Your problem may be very real. But don't be limited by the natural. Be focused on God. To be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God. For he, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Trust Him. 
He said he will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed upon you. As I read this morning, he has bequeathed you with his, his peace, not the peace of this world. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, for your God is with you. I know right now, even through this uh, live stream, I'm teaching to different people from different cultures, different backgrounds. I don't know your situation, but God does. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. I don't know what you're thinking. You know, I praise God we're not going through some of the struggles some other people are. But that doesn't mean God can't use me. I mean, praise God, you know, maybe you're not struggling. Maybe, I mean, even praise God you're memorizing verses. Praise God for that. And I encourage you that. But also, how can you minister to others? How can you reach out to others? Uh, let God put people in your heart that are in need. You know, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. This is a time where we shine. This is a time where we can minister to one another. I don't say this to be mean. I don't say this to be... But make sure that even in this time of quarantine, you're not being selfish. I'm not speaking to anyone specific. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, this is just a general, this is speaking to myself. I want to make sure even in this time of lack, even in this time of limited resources and, and whatnot, that we are not being self-centered. We're being Christ-centered. Jesus didn't do anything without him seeing the Father. Je and when he came, when Jesus came to a situation where there was a storm, when he came across, with, he wanted to feed the multitudes, but he didn't have any resources. Maybe you want to meet someone's need. Maybe you want to help pay their rent or pay their insurance or whatever it is. Let God, let God use you to pay their bills. You're like, you're, you don't understand, Dave. I don't got the money. I'm not asking you to have the money. But you have a God who has a cattle on a thousand hills. If he can multiply a boy's lunch twice, <coughs> to feed thousands, God can use you to multiply your paycheck, to multiply your stimulus check, to multiply something, to multiply something of value that you can help your neighbor and help one another during this time of need. Be Christ to somebody. Let people see Christ in this time of calamity and struggle and trial you know it doesn't uh anyway god's not limited by this by this calamity even the things going on in our world you know when we build our house on the rock which is jesus the storms may come jesus said they would come jesus said these last days terrible times will come i don't know if all this is the end time stuff i know the end times are coming i know this is showing and and I don't know if it's going to get worse or better or whatnot. But all I know is that no matter what comes, no matter what comes, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. No matter what happens, we need to build our house on the rock. Because if we have Jesus, church, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need for the storm that we're in, for the storm that's ahead. We have everything we have. We have Jesus. We have more than enough, not just to meet our needs. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But He also, God, you have more than enough, not just to meet your needs, but to meet the needs of one another. The early church did that, and the early church multiplied. The early church met one another's needs. Let us meet one another's needs. We're not the source, God, but God in us is the source. I'm hoping I'm making sense with this. And uh, I don't know why I'm going off on this so much, 
but just uh, it's on my heart. And uh, I'm speaking to me as much as I'm speaking to anyone else. We have, uh, not to, to stop uh, what Dave's been speaking on, we, we have a question, and I'm going to encourage Dave in the moment, he hasn't had a chance to read it, to respond uh, when we're done with Bible study, since it, uh, we're nearing uh, the time when we're going to be uh, stopping for the evening. Um, but I encourage you guys to read it in the comments. Um, it starts out the, by saying, would you say that we lack obedience? And then it, and it continues down. Um, I encourage you to read the question, but also to read Dave's response at the end. Um, I, I will say yes and amen to their response to their own question in that section. But my personal feeling in the moment of that of my answer is I think the main thing is people including me we're not believing God I agree in obedience I agree in what you're saying but we're not going to see the power of God not just based on our reaction or non-reaction if we don't believe God if we're trusting in what we're doing then my first response blurted out of my mouth is we're not going to see the power of God if we're trusting on our reaction on what we do to get that power out. If we believe God, then that power is going to come out. But I encourage you guys, don't just, I won't want to leave you hanging, but read Dave's response when he gets a chance to respond to this question. I have verses just bubbling up inside of me, uh, but I don't want to take the, the time to, to preach without thinking it through and making sure my thoughts are in order. Um, so Dave and I will respond to the, this question um, when we get a chance, but uh, keep watching to, to see our response and to add um, your, your questions and comments too. And I, I agree with Sherry as far as, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, will, I will take time to answer this. Uh, if you have any other questions, thank you for asking this question. Uh, and thank you for doing that. Uh, uh, we love questions. Uh, because, uh, anyway, so let me, well, I'll give them a chance to answer that and uh, uh, stay with us as we, as we answer that very shortly here. Um, we are going to wrap it up here um, pretty soon. We did pray for Cornelius. And we did. I tried to conclude you all in that prayer. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be here next week. I am working on some things to make this a little more efficient in the future. Uh, so there might be some uh, new additions next week that will hopefully we can do this where we can actually see one another and talk to one another uh, and correspond with one another versus just a comment. So anyway, I'm still working on that. And so... I uh, hope we will have some changes uh, for uh, not only this time, but this Bible study, but going forward. So, okay, without further ado, uh, I will answer this question, and uh, we will, uh, uh, I'll answer in the comments in uh, just a little while, okay? So, God bless you guys. Thank you for listening, and, uh, and you guys have a great week, okay? God bless you.